Friends, good morning and welcome. I'm Pastor Jeff Smith, pastor here at First Presbyterian Church of Boone, North Carolina, and uh, welcome you to our live uh, message today uh, as we gather as God's people virtually uh, to hear God's word to us. Friends, we are finding ourselves in uncharted territory and waters that we will be wading in together probably for the long haul. And so I'm grateful that together as God's people, um, that we can certainly worship in spirit and in truth, even if we can't worship together in our sanctuary today. And so as we gather together today, I ask each and every one of you, whether you're a member of our church or whether you're a visitor, uh, someone who's tuning in from somewhere outside of Boone, North Carolina, uh, let us pray for one another during this time. And let us pray for the leaders of our congregation who have to make decisions, uh, proactive decisions, about how we must move forward together as a church during this time together. And so I will share with you as well that following our service today, our elders will be gathering to have conversations about how we move forward together. And so I welcome your prayers for them uh, as we seek to be faithful uh, and not be led by fear, but to be responsible during this time together. So friends, we welcome you, and we hope that you feel Christ's peace and that you have a word of hope, because that's what we need at a time like this. Friends, let us join together in prayer. Let us pray together. Holy God, we give you thanks for your love and for your grace. In these moments of uncertainty and of anxiousness and high anxiety, we thank you that you remind us that we have nothing to fear, for you are present with us. And so we pray, O oh God, that as we gather together this day and as we gather together around our computers or our iPads or our phones, um, that you have connected us even if we can't physically be together. We are still together in spirit. And we give you thanks for that and that you've united us by the power of the Holy Spirit together. We pray that you would speak to each and every one of us where we are, that you would take your words and that you would open them afresh to us this day that they might be nourishment for our souls, and that they might give us hope in the midst of a time that is quite difficult for all of us. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We ask these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, and let all of God's children joyfully say, Amen. Friends, if you're joining with us today, we continue our sermon series entitled Jesus' Last Words. Uh, and today we approach the third word of the cross together, and our message today is entitled, Here is Your Son, and Here is Your Mother. And our first reading together today comes to us from 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Hear now from God's word. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And our second reading this morning comes to us from John's Gospel, the third word that comes to us from the cross of Jesus in John chapter 19, beginning in verse 23. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them. 
with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, They divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, Here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her in to his home. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's a game changer. That has been the language used this past week regarding the pandemic of COVID-19, better known as the coronavirus. We have witnessed so many more new confirmed cases of the virus all over our nation, and it seems to be expanding at a rapid rate. It's a game changer because life as we know it is changing around us moment by moment. And within a few short weeks, we have witnessed an economic downturn with the markets plummeting due to the fear that has gripped our nation and our world. Italy has been on lockdown and travel from Europe into the United States has been banned for at least 30 days. It's literally a game changer for we have seen the effects on the sports world around us with the cancellation of the NBA's regular season after discovering that players have been infected with the virus With this came the NCAA's cancellation of conference basketball tournaments and ultimately both the men's and women's NCAA basketball tournaments. Universities across the country have extended spring breaks and have made provisions to continue classes online with their students. Even here locally, our Boone Roundball basketball tournament was canceled. The St. Patrick's Day parade has been canceled. And just as of yesterday, public schools in North Carolina will be canceled for at least two weeks. We have been cautioned by the scientists and doctors to wash our hands, not to touch our face, and to practice social distancing at this time. There's no doubt that this virus is a game changer. It's disrupting life as we know it, and it's requiring us to change our patterns of behavior to reduce its spread for the sake of everyone. As I mentioned earlier, if you're just joining us following our service today, the session will be meeting to discuss proactive solutions for us as a congregation to navigate through this pandemic to the best of our ability in the days and the weeks to come. We will communicate our plan of action to the whole congregation once we determine how best to proceed together. There's no doubt that we are experiencing a game changer, but truth be told, it's not the first time that such things have transpired. You see, today our scripture reading from John's Gospel reminds us of such a game changer as we read the third word from the cross of Jesus. Much like our current situation, things seemed to be normal while everyone had gathered to celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem together. Thousands upon thousands of people traveled from near and far to celebrate this ancient festival that commemorated God's deliverance of the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. Jesus was welcomed on Palm Sunday with cheers and righteous acceptance that he would save Israel from the Roman oppression. But in the blink of an eye, things took a turn for the worse. 
Jesus was arrested and tried before the Jewish leaders and ultimately before the Roman governor who finally sealed his fate by crucifixion. Cheers turned to jeers as the crowds demanded that Jesus be killed. And upon his arrest, his disciples scattered in fear, worried that they may be captured and crucified with him. They practiced social distancing while trying to stay as close as possible to see the fate of their Lord. Now, while many of the disciples ran in the other direction, John tells us, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, Here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Four women refused to abandon Jesus. To them, he was a son, a nephew, a friend, and a rabbi. While others feared for their lives, these four women stayed right by his side during his most pressing moments. And these four faithful women stand in stark contrast to the four Roman soldiers who remained clueless to the enormity of what they were doing as they rolled dice to determine who would win his undergarment. Yet as Jesus looked beneath him and saw them mourning together, he also saw one of his disciples who we know to be John. John's gospel always refers to the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John's way of not identifying himself. Nevertheless, Jesus speaks to them, offering his last will and testament. He looks to his mother and confers John as her new son, and then he looked to John and confers Mary to be his new mother. But why does Jesus do this? Well, it's clear that Jesus cares about the well-being of everyone. Just look at his ministry and the ways that he cares for the needs of others. He loves his mother and he wants her to be taken care of when he's gone. It's presumed that Joseph, his father, has already died, since he is never mentioned again after Jesus' birth. In a society where the male is the breadwinner and where women's rights didn't really exist, it would make sense that Jesus would want to ensure Mary's care. You see, to those who know that they are dying, often the hardest part is not dying, but concern for your loved ones who are left behind. Now, it would be natural for Jesus' brothers to step up and to take care of her, but Jesus doesn't confer the responsibility for her care to James, or to Joseph, or to Simon, or even to Judas. Instead, he calls for John to take her in as his own mother, but he also calls for Mary to take John as her own son. You see, what Jesus is doing is far more than just trying to take care of the physical needs of his mother. His words echo the message of the kingdom of God. His words transform the social order of this world as we know it. You see, we live in a world where families are defined by blood and birthright. We are related to one another based on who our parents are and the familial lineage that links us to one another. This is the way that it's been since the beginning of time. But Jesus' words change the game completely. His words challenge our notions of family, and he calls us to look beyond the established norms to see one another as brothers and sisters and as fathers and mothers to one another. 
You see, in the church, we acknowledge this most clearly as we baptize those who profess Christ as Lord and Savior, and even children who are presented to be raised in the admonition and nurture of the Lord. We make vows together to welcome them into the family of Christ and to love and to care for them. The Apostle Paul understood this in his letter to the Galatians, saying, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul's words are radical, changing the social relationships and barriers that prevent groups of people from associating with one another, or even the hierarchical relationships that put one above another. Jews and Gentiles didn't associate with one another, but they were both called into the same faith. Jesus changed the relationship, breaking down the divide between them, and he compelled his disciples to take the lead on this. Peter started it, but Paul, the apostle, was the one who took the lead and did so. Men and women had different roles and privileges in society. Women were often seen as inferior, but Jesus completely changes this too. Take a look again at our scripture. Who's at the foot of the cross next to Jesus? Women. And who were the first witnesses of Jesus' resurrection? Women. How many churches in the world still disregard women in ministry, yet while allowing them to teach our children in the faith? And Jesus changed the relationships between slaves and masters too. While the power structures of owning another person didn't change immediately, the relationship of treating them as a member of the family certainly did, which changed the norm of lording oneself over another. You see, we live in a world of social distancing. And what I mean by this is that we have a tendency to distance ourselves in our own relationships. Did you know that one out of every two marriages in the United States ends in divorce? Did you know that there are over 428,000 children in foster care in the United States per year? And only about 135,000 of them are adopted each year. You see, it's easy for us to distance ourselves from our own flesh and blood. You know, those family members who are hard to love or who have hurt us and challenge us in different ways. Politics in this country causes a great deal of social distancing because who wants to be around or talk with someone who believes something radically different from us? And to that end, even the church can be a place of social distancing when we allow our theological differences to influence who we choose to worship with. Yet Jesus' words from the cross challenge our inclination to create barriers and to seek distance from one another. In his kingdom, there is no division or separation between others. Here is your son. Here is your mother. This is Jesus' way of calling the church into being. Before his arrest, he commanded his disciples, saying to them, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. In other words, love is not selective. Our family is not defined simply by our DNA, but our connection of faith together 
in Jesus Christ. In fact, our family is much broader than we realize and isn't meant to be exclusive, for we're called to welcome everyone into this family. That's what love does. John says it this way, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, How can the love of Christ be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. Jesus' death on the cross is a game changer. He has changed everything when it comes to our relationship with God and with one another. We're no longer enemies of God, but adopted children. And we're no longer enemies of one another, but called to serve one another out of love. And the love that compels us to such measures is found in no other place than in Christ's love displayed on the cross for us. His words call us to care for one another as family, as brothers and sisters, and as parental figures to our children together. In addition, our love for one another is to be sacrificial in nature, laying down ourselves for the lives of each other. Our love is measured not by what we say, but by what we do for our brothers and sisters in need. You see, it speaks to us today because we find ourselves in a tumultuous time in our country where anxiety is high and where fear has caused widespread panic. Social distancing is the term being used to provide helpful measures to contain the spread of the virus. Yet as the church, Christ's family, we are called to love one another as family, as brothers and sisters and as fathers and mothers to one another. And yes, we need to be responsible citizens who recognize the need to be socially aware. But we also have an opportunity to care for one another in extraordinary ways. While the coronavirus is a game changer to our society at the moment, it has nothing on the game-changing love and words of our Savior from the cross. While we may distance ourselves from one another physically to do our part, we should be intentional about not distancing ourselves from one another in the way that we offer care. Technology provides us great opportunities to call and to text each other. Even FaceTime and Zoom technology or even Skype allows us to be in contact with another by video and see each other face to face. We can also send an email to one another or send a caring note in the mail. You see, as the women drew near to the cross along with John, may we too also draw near to Jesus and extend his game-changing love to one another, to our brothers and sisters as we move into the days and especially into the weeks ahead. You see, while the disciples mourned the suffering Jesus endured on the cross, Jesus was still in control. And the good news of the resurrection was just around the corner. Friends, we got to remember this during this time in our lives right now. As we journey together in this moment of time, knowing that the one who endured the cross is still sovereign and is still in control and is still with us, we must allow his game-changing love to empower all of us and our relationships with one another, no matter what. Friends, that's my prayer for each and every one of us. 
not to live in fear, but to live in Christ's love, and to share that love, especially in such a time as this. Friends, may it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.